Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Top Bins with Twins. How are we doing today, Luke? I am doing great, dude. How are you doing so far? Um, I am getting over fighting a cold over the weekend. Weird. I, w- I had a cold a couple days ago. That's Funny. really strange. If you listen to the po- the last podcast we did, Luke sounded like he was either a smooth jazz singer or you're smoking a pack a day. And now... But we'll leave that up to you all to determine yeah. which one of the two was it. It's up for interpretation, you know. Or was I just sick? I don't or know. was he just sick? There's three options out there. Most likely jazz R&B singer. I yeah. Think. yeah. Yeah, that's... For sure. I've got that in my bag, I think. I I, I believe it. Maybe you should stick to FPL. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> or, or maybe not, question mark. Okay, Luke, let's um, give everybody a quick little roundup of this FBO All right, week. that sounds great. How about I will take the games on Saturday, give us a little brief overview, um, and then we'll move on to Sunday. So um, the first three games of the game week were Arsenal against Wolves, Brentford versus Luton, and Burnley versus Sheffield United. Um, we had Arsenal with a 2-1 win over Wolves. They looked incredible over the fifth, first 15 to 20 minutes, just ripping apart Wolves. Uh, heavily depleted Wolves as well, which should be certainly should be stated um, because it did make a difference, I believe. Um, but as Arsenal typically kind of do, they sort of faded, right? The attacking presence wasn't nearly as, as tight, as assertive, um, and Arsenal kind of just meander their way through the match. And then Wolves get the late first goal from them. Um, and started to put pressure on Arsenal again. Obviously, it ended up being 2-1, to one, but for us FPL managers out there with Saliba, Gabriel Zinjenko, um, even Tommy Asu, and um, Raya as well. A lot of frustration there with that goal, for sure. It seems like it could have been easily prevented. Silly mistake from Zinchenko, and the clean sheet points are gone. So, very frustrating It there. just kind of showcases Arsenal's inability to close out games, and, like, do they look so good in the first half? Like it felt first like twenty minutes, the first, 30. The first thirty minutes. That was when they like, really looked great. It felt like they were gonna go like five nil, six nil, and uh, it kind of looked like it was gonna be a replay of the midweek fixture in the Champions League, and it didn't play out that way. It did not. I do want to say though, shout out Martin Odegaard finally returning after being in my team for five weeks. He blanked completely, blanked in three of them. Got three points in one and then finally gets a nice return. So it was really good to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on to the next fixture. So we had Brentford versus Luton. Brentford win three to one, concede a late goal to Luton. Um, but a good a good result there for Brentford for sure. Um, in a huge relegation battle, Burnley beat Sheffield five nil. This was the thumping of all thumpings here, right? Um, Sheffield sacked their manager following um, that happened earlier this morning. Um, and big win for Burnley there. They, um, currently are sitting at the table, um, in, in 19th, but they did jump over, um, Sheffield with that victory. So, um, really, really good result for them there. I think that's something you can build off of, go to the future. Um, and we'll see where they end up at the end of the and the end of the season. Um, next match we had Everton, Nottingham Forest, Everton won, Nottingham Forest zero, um, to those Pickford owners out there who are still holding, finally getting another clean sheet. It's nice to see. Um, Dwight McNeil with the winner, uh, forced. Got to be kind of upset with that result, even though they've got a fair amount of injuries at the moment. Um, and then we had Newcastle United against Manchester United in the final game of the day. Um, Newcastle thoroughly dominated Manchester United. 
with Manchester United registering an XG of about 0.4, depending on what site you want to look at. And Newcastle United having, you know, an average average XG of plus two. Um, so they really, really dominated the match. Could have had a second. Kieran Trippier was millimeters away from getting a free kick goal. That was just mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, that was great. Um, so close. So close, right? So close. That would have been... He would have been on for an insane haul if that would have happened. Mm-hmm. He would have had... He ended up on three bonus already. He ended up with 12, right? Yeah, so that would have been a, an 18-pointer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a weak... Honestly, it's not what we expect of Trippier, but we know that he has the ability to put out performances like that, so... Shall I say it? Is Trippier a sneaky shout for captain next week? Possibly. Midweek, I should say, for game week 15 with Everton for, for, yeah. away. I feel like it's a sneaky shout. Um, so let's just... Do you want to round up the Sunday matches, Paul? Yeah, we'll just go through real yeah. quick. Um, so we had Bournemouth and Villa tie 2-2, which is disappointing for Villa. You think they would want, really went three points out of that matchup, especially with disappointing, how they were playing. Disappointing for Bournemouth as well, yeah. I think. Yeah, and then we had Chelsea-Brighton at 3-2, which I have thoughts about this game, but obviously everybody knows in this podcast that I'm a Chelsea hater. So Caicedo 100% should have been set off twice after getting that yellow. Like, also... Connor Gallagher, I think there's a there's a crowd of people that think he's not a top Premier League player, or that he doesn't have a place in the Premier League, and he for sure does. But like, he constantly does stuff like this. Like, it's kind of crazy how he <laughs> he constantly will be putting himself in situations where he just doesn't know the line, you know, and it just happens. But whatever. And we also had Liverpool Fulham four three, which that was a cracking game. That was a fun one to watch, even though I had to watch the highlights because I had to take a nap because, like we mentioned, I was sick. <laughs> Once again. It's all over the first half, but. Yeah. No, it was it was definitely a really good match. Very entertaining to watch. Um, and I think you missed out a little bit, but definitely by watching the highlights, you still get the gist. And yeah, Trent, idea. Trent's yeah. back in the picture now, folks. We'll we'll get into that later yeah, on I've in the pod. Yeah, I kind of figured, but... Um, and then we have West Ham one, Crystal Palace one, and then we had the last fixture of the weekend, which was Man City and Spurs. And I'm telling you, dude, I know as an Arsenal fan, I'm not saying I'm supporting Spurs or doing any of that. I'm really I'm not saying that. But Spurs are just so fun to watch, no matter who they play at this point. Like the brand of football they're playing under An- Ainge is just. And I quote, "It's so cool." We're going to go for it, mate. <laughs> Who yeah. said it? You'll never guess. <laughs> Pep? Question mark? No. Erling Holland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going for the referees. But um, I don't know. It's it, I think City, their fixtures are going to kind of turn sometime soon. So maybe they're we're going to reconsider them as FPL. Spurs or City? City? City. Spurs, too. I think both their fixtures are kind of going in opposite directions. But um We'll we'll see what happens going forward, but this was a super fun match to watch. Kind of the matches that we really love as Premier League fans, you know, two two sides that are just going for it all the way and mm-hmm. sending full sending it, and it was it was a great watch, honestly. You know, it was. I only managed to see the first half, so I missed out on a great second half there. Um, a lot to unpack and a lot to look at, but we can kind of touch on it in the next segment. Yeah, we can. We can. Um, so lots of really interesting matches this week. I think we've got some very interesting ones to go for the midweek for game week 15 and then also next weekend for game week 16. So there's some really interesting players to keep an eye on and some players who you might want to sell. 
So what we're going to try to do in this episode is give you all one asset from every team in the top 10 of the table and tell you whether we think they're a buy or sell for FPL. Um, so we're going to take a little break right now. And then when we come back, we will dive right into that and start our auction, I guess. All right. We will be right back, folks. All right. Hello, everyone. We are back after our short little break. And we are here to tell you our top 10 Premier League table FPL assets from each team that we think should be bought or sold. So we are going to dive right into it here. And just so you all know, everything that Paul and I are discussing here, we don't know what to expect from the other one. They did not tell us ahead of time what asset to think of. So this is off the hip reactions, um, trying to just see what our thoughts are. And hopefully that will help you all understand our thought process and maybe help us work through our own thought process as well. So, um, Paul, we're going to pass it over to you. You have Arsenal and he has the odd numbers in the table in the top 10. So I will be doing evens, Paul doing odds. So you'll, we'll start with Arsenal. Okay. Um, yeah. So just so everybody knows, it kind of just worked out that way. We um, flipped a coin for who got evens and odds. <laughs> and I did not intentionally get Arsenal. I know that I talk about Arsenal way too much on this pod. So he is wearing his Arsenal so scarf right now. I'm not actually. <laughs> Maybe actually it's right here. I'll put it on right now. Since we're talking about Arsenal, I'll put it on. And if you pulled over that bookshelf, that would be quite the interruption to the pod. Yeah, imagine on the podcast if we're sitting here and you just hear me screaming. <laughs> Good thing this is not a visual content because... Yeah, maybe one day. If it's a visual content, that would be ugly if you got crushed by your bookshelf. Honestly, if, if that was going to happen, I would make sure we were doing it on a visual podcast so you could at least get um, some social media content out of it. Would be, it would be good for the numbers. <laughs> yeah, it would be good for um, viewership numbers. Yeah, but, all right. Um, well, hit me. What? Who is my first asset I have to critique? Okay, Um. so first I'm going to read you off some of the stats of this player, and we're just going to kind of dive in and I'll give you my thoughts, okay? Okay, so this person has one goal and two assists this year so far. They have an XG of 1.54. They have only 20 shots, eight shots on target. And let's see, they, let me see, what else? Yeah, and so at this time last year, they had five goals and two assists heading into match week 15. Do you know who we're talking about? Um, I guess it's Martinelli. Yes, we are. Yeah, Um. okay, well... My initial thought on Martinelli, it's difficult, right? Because I feel like, say, for example, when Arsenal just played Wolves, everything that Arsenal did was down their right side in both halves, where it's Sokka linking up with Odegaard or Tommy Asu or Ben White when he eventually came on, where Martinelli just doesn't have the ball at his feet enough. And one reason why is teams are sending a minimum of two defenders straight at Martinelli. He doesn't have that space to work. He's opening up space for other players, but his ability to create and get an end product is severely diminished going against two people. Um, so I would like to see Arteta find ways to get him isolated and prevent, give him the space to where that second defender is not always able to come um, to where he can get a true 1v1. Yeah, I think um, we saw that last year, Luke, like you were saying, that I think teams started bringing pulling their wingers down and then like 
basically bring a second defender to Saka and Martinelli both. And I think the one thing that really hurts Martinelli is that Odegaard tends to drift more to that Saka side. Yeah, he I mean, wants he, to be going into his left foot on a goal. Yeah, and always. to me, like, I think the right side of Arsenal is a little bit stronger than the left side of Arsenal. And with Ben White or Tommy Sue, whoever it is, the the interplay with Saka, that I think that flows a little bit better than Zinchenko and Martinelli. And it just kind of seems like sometimes uh, Martinelli is. I mean, for what he does, like Arsenal, like I, I don't think either of us, ne- neither of us, is saying that Martinelli should be dropped. That he should. It's just, it's just harder for him to get goals this year, mm-hmm. and he's just, he's just not popping up in these positions and all this stuff. But to me, like as an FPL owner, one of the main things we always talk about is, is the asset you bring in. Is this person gonna be a vocal point of the attack? And right now, Martinelli just is not. And I'm somebody that brought in Martinelli two weeks ago. And at this point, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, I really wish I'd have brought Odegaard in because with him and Saka, that seems like it seems like Odegaard and Saka, Saka number one, Odegaard number two for the FPL assets you want to be owning for Arsenal for the attack. Yeah, it's it's definitely very difficult because Martinelli could go next week and score three goals. He could just he with could. the way with the way things happen, right? With Arsenal, they have a very dynamic attack, and if it's clicking on the right day, anyone is an option. It's just at this point, it feels like. Odegaard and Saka are more likely to click and be in those positions with the ball at their feet. Um, I do also think there's a big difference between Zinchenko and Ben White or Tommy Esu. Because if you look at Zinchenko, he's always inverting. He fills into that mid-space. So he wasn't as much last week. Right, but he doesn't really either overlap either with Martinelli. If you think about Ben White, Tommy Esu they make those overlapping runs with Saka that stretch the defender. They have to be mindful of him making that run into the byline because if they're not, that's an easy cross on the box. Yeah, so right? basically it pulls, so it's a it huge, pulls that full back out. Exactly. And Saka's basically one-on-one with whoever's Yeah, and he can cut into that left foot, take that shot where he bends it, slip it through to someone, um, or work his way through one-on-one, right? So Martinelli not having that option of someone overlapping over top of him really, I think diminishes his ability to isolate. And I think that's something that's just try to start doing with Zinchenko. If they believe that defensively they can still recover from that, because let's be honest, Zinchenko does not have the, he's not the quickest player, right? He's highly intelligent, has a great touch, very technically gifted, but mm-hmm. the sprinting from inline to inline is not going to be his strength. Yeah. So I think it's something to keep in mind there. But um, Martinelli, if I had to say right now. Um, well, so like another thing too, before you say this, just so you know. So they play Luton this, would, this midweek fixture. And then they at. play Villa, Brighton, Liverpool, and West Ham. And I think all of those are tough matches. You all mean, difficult. Yeah, but all of those, especially the next three, Luton, Villa, and Brighton, you would expect Arsenal to score a minimum of two, maybe going up to three or four in all of those matches. But I also think, too, that if you're owning Arsenal defense, especially double Arsenal defense, I think that's a tricky proposition over the next four matches because it seems like Villa, Brighton, Liverpool, and West Ham are all teams that are going to at least sneak a goal out of Arsenal, you know? Perhaps, yeah, and maybe even Luton, too. It seems like they have a knack for um, scoring the one chance they get in the game. Um, so at this point, I would say that Martinelli is a hold for the next three. 
if you already have him. I don't think there's any need to get rid of him unless you have a pressing transfer you want to make that he enables. Like maybe bringing Son back into your team. <laughs> something to think about for a lot of people. Um, but that's something to consider, in my opinion. I would hold him for the next three and then probably with Liverpool and West Ham full. I don't know. I would say if you're going to sell him, sell him at 18 or otherwise just keep him up until 23 and they play Liverpool again mm-hmm. um, if you don't have a wild card in your team. So for me, Martinelli's a hold. I would, I think he's going to come good. Um, and when he does, I think it could be pretty explosive. So. Yeah, I, I have him as kind of like a sell question mark because I want to see how the Luton fixture goes. And at that point, if he doesn't get a result in that because it's been... I think like six weeks since he's had a return for, mm-hmm. I mean, in champions league is different, but in the premier league, it's been about six weeks. So yeah. Sell question mark after Luton. And if he gets a result in Luton, then maybe the form is going to turn. So, yeah, no, it's very, it's very possible. Um, as we, as we've said, he's a streaky player, right? So mm-hmm. you never, never know what you're going to get, but he's always fun to watch. And that's one of the things that we love with our teams, um, mm-hmm. having some entertaining players. So, Let's go to my yep. player. So the team currently second in the table is that of Liverpool. Um, and the player that I want you to judge, Paul, is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Okay. Um, would you buy, sell, or hold Trent? Um, so as of this very moment, I am 100% in on Trent. So you would say buy? I would say buy. Okay. Let me see. Let me pull up their um, run of fixtures here. Yeah. And just so everyone knows Slide. that, um, so Trent in game week 14, so last week against Fulham, he had a 13-pointer. The week before against City, eight points with his goal. Didn't even keep a clean sheet. It's incredible these point totals about the clean sheet. Um, and then in game week 12 against Brentford, he had a seven-pointer. Um, with an assist, no, with the clean sheet and bonus um, is what happened against Brentford. Um, and he has returned, um, he has only had one blank in the past six fixtures. Yeah, and another thing too that I'm sure a lot of people know, but like he should have had basically two goals in the full performance because yes. the assist, I mean, was a goal, was a free kick that bounced off the top of the post and bounced off the goalkeeper, so... To me, I think that's kind of silly. I understand why they give it an assist, but like, I mean. But it's supposed to be an objective rule, right? But it's still very arbitrary where the ball was going to go after it landed. I mean. It, it could have had backspin on it and rolled I, back in. It easily could have. I, I don't like that. But I mean, like, to me, it is what it is. Goal and assist probably should have been two goals, right? Just, just so everybody knows. So, it, honestly, the 13-pointer is probably higher than what it is right now, you know? Could it be. Should, it should be. Could be. Technically. But so, if we look at Liverpool's fixtures going forward, they play Sheffield this midweek, Crystal Palace, United, Arsenal, Burnley, Newcastle through the festive run. So, to me, it seems like the first three, especially Sheffield, Crystal Palace, United, I think those are all games that Trent could get more returns in. Mm-hmm. Especially, he loves playing in big games. So playing Man United at home, and then Arsenal at home. I even the Arsenal match, like I could see him doing very well in that match too. So right with the way mm-hmm. Arsenal play and all that stuff. So, and then they play Burnley after that. It just seems like all these fixtures are lining up for him to contribute points, and maybe maybe there's a couple of clean sheets in there for Liverpool. So he's a he's a strong buy for me if you can make the budget work in your team. 
Yeah, no, I think he's a great asset to have in your team. That That's the one stipulation there, right, is if you can get him in your team. I think a lot of FPL managers will be wanting him, um, but it's a matter of how you can move funds around. Are you taking a points hit? I At this point, I even think taking a points hit to get him in would be something worth it. Um, in the long run, I'd say probably, yes. Yeah, with his set pieces um, and... I mean, really, he, he's a goal threat, kind of, um, with the way he trickles into the attack. So um, definitely someone to keep an eye on. But glad to hear he was a buy for you, Paul. I think for me as well, I would advise if you can get the funds in, say you're sitting on two free transfers, if you can bring some, you know, drop some funds down somewhere else and get Trin in, I think he's a great person to have for that run that Paul highlighted during the festive fixtures. So the interesting thing, Luke, just a little, like, question kind of to the side what we're talking about but Trippier and Trent seem to be both coming back into very very strong form so is it I know it's a lot of point in the points in the defense but I mean especially in a year where there's clean sheets they're just scarce maybe it's time to go bigger in the back and bring in two assets you know that always have a chance of returning for you think about it this week that's 25 points in your team right there yeah even though they're from, the, from your defense which is awful you're looking at about 15 million pounds taking up budget and um cash within your team but ultimately if you can guarantee that those 15 million pounds are going to say 25 points in one week that where else can you get that? Yeah. Right. Even Erling Holland can't even guarantee those at this yeah, point with a captaincy on them. Yeah. So, um, definitely something to consider. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, all right. Well, speaking of city, shall we move on to the third team yes, on the table? Yes, yes, yes. All right, Lucas. Um, this one I think is going to be an easy answer for you, but what are your thoughts on Philip Foden, Philip of house Foden? Oh, <laughs> no. Um, so all jokes aside, I think Phil Foden is one of the bigger mistakes that I've made this season. Selling you, you him. made a lot too. <laughs> there's been, <laughs> the catalog keeps growing every week. Luke's discography is <laughs> growing. Yes. Um, all ahead, right, moving Foden. on. Um, so Phil Foden, I sold him um, for Martin Odegaard in game week nine, I believe. Um, that transfer cost me a total of negative 14 points between the points that nice. Foden um, got and Odegaard's total for that <laughs> stretch. So um, sitting here as someone who did own Foden, he's someone that I would have loved to have kept in my team. Um, I think he he's showing a finishing edge and in product that had not been there in the past. And this goes to show what happens when you have an extremely talented and skilled player that gets a good run of matches, right? He's had pretty much, I don't know the last time he was benched, which a little terrifying for people bringing him in. Uh I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I was thinking about this earlier today. Could I get Foden back in? I easily could. He could replace a couple, one of the midfielders in my team that would be great, but I think I want to go into the game week 16 with two transfers. So I'm probably just going to roll, not bring in Foden yet. See how things go with city versus Villa. Um, but we have to be mindful that Pep could rotate coming up. There's a ton of fixtures on yeah. the horizon for them. And Foden has not been rotated. 
really over as far as I can remember. It might have been a Champions League match a little while ago, but he's been starting very consistently for them. So the interesting thing though is that with Doku and Grealish both being out in this midweek fixture, I don't know how much they can really rotate, you know. Yeah, I and could it's see gonna, it's going to beg the question who's going to play on that left wing for City. Yeah, no, it's it's a good question. Um and I think Foden could. I think that Honestly, Alvarez could. It's Bernardo just, Silva could. Bernardo Silva. They have a lot of like utility players that could slide in that role, but I think you're going to see a little different city attack on the midweek against Villa, which will be kind of fun yeah, to see. Yeah, and if you can predict that correctly, there are going to be huge, huge... Um, th- there's some people on Twitter who are very good at it, um, and they are kind of like city fans um, who put together threads weekly on how to predict what Pep's going to do. And they, they usually get close to guessing. Um, so go, go and find those if you're looking for, kind of, if you're not sure what to do. Um, but Foden as a whole, I would say it's a buy. He's someone that Agreed. is in form. He is getting a nice run in the team. And until KDB comes back, I think he's pretty much so locked into the squad starting. Also, I was, I sent a little text uh, um, in our little group chat with me, Luke and our buddy Kyle today, who's a city fan. And I was just like, as an Arsenal fan, it is just looming deep in the shadows that Kevin De Bruyne is going to come back after Christmas. And I'm I'm just sitting here looking around like, when's the lightning going to hit? When's it going to happen? What because you all, oh, he, what you all listening to the podcast cannot see is Paul's hands are shaking uncontrollably. They are not. <laughs> they are. They They're are. Not. Don't Luke's, believe him. Um, all right. Let's move on to your next one. All right. Week. Let's go to the team fourth in the table, which is none other than Aston Villa. Aston Villa have had a very exciting start to the season. They started out kind of poorly. They've really turned it around, right? Um, And the vast majority of that should be, I think, probably credited to Unai Emery. But on the pitch, I think Ollie Watkins, because he's been incredible for them. He's missed a couple opportunities here and there, but... A great asset for them. So my question to you, Paul, is Ollie Watkins mm-hmm. a buy or sell? To me, I think he's a sell. Okay, tell me why. I So looking at the run of fixtures, they play Man City, Arsenal, Brentford, Sheffield, <coughs> United, and Burnley. Especially, I mean, I don't like those first three matchups for them. Especially City at home, Arsenal at home. I don't think... I know Villa are probably a top six, top seven team this year with the way they've been playing, the way they've been performing, but I just don't I don't like that for them, especially if you look at, I mean, so they barely beat, the, they, the last three weeks, they beat Fulham 3-1, which that's a good performance. They beat Tottenham 1-2-1, which was a very depleted Tottenham team. Bournemouth, they tied with 2-2, two two, so it's kind of like they've had a little dip in form to me i think that's a little bit of a dip and then city at home that's that's just that that speaks for itself city's difficult arsenal's one of the best teams in the league this year and brentford i think brentford's are going to pose some issues for them and to me i just think that watkins this year realistically just has not been clinical enough he just hasn't i know he's one of the top performing forwards in the league in fpl perspectives but I mean, he had one really good week. I think that kind of skews his data a little bit. 
Oh, he hauled 23 points. That's that was yeah, yeah that skews yeah. his data a little bit. And I'm just honestly, I'm just not a Ollie Watkins believer. So for me, it's a sell. Okay, I agree with you that he's a sell. I think he's a sell now from game week 15 through game week 17. And then at game week 18, when they play, they have Sheffield at home. They go Manchester United away, which I still think is a good attacking fixture for Aston Villa options. They do Burnley at home, Everton away, Newcastle at home, and then Sheffield away, and then United again. That's a really good run of fixtures that I personally think Ollie Watkins could have another one of those 23-point fixtures somewhere within game week 18 to 23. So if you can get him out of your team now, if you already transferred him out, then I would not knee-jerk and get him back in, especially for City at home and then Arsenal at home. Brentford even, too, are going to be – it's going to be very difficult. So if you got rid of him, just keep him out of your team for a little bit. He was pretty lucky to return – especially get the goal, right, Um, Mm -hmm. against Bournemouth. That was an incredible finish. But near the end of the game, and it it wouldn't have been shocking to see him not return for a goal, right, get an assist, so be it, right? That's not terrible. Yep. Um, I think he's a short-term sell, in my opinion, ultimately, is kind of how I see it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anything else you want to add to that, Luke? Um, No, I don't think so. Uh, Ollie Watkins, he is um, third overall in the league in XG up to this point in the season. Um, so he's getting those opportunities. It's just a matter of if he's going to finish them or not. Okay. Um, so the next team we're going to bounce to is Tottenham Hotspur. We're going to North London. And the player that we're going to talk about, Luke, because I think he's probably been on a lot of people's minds in FPL, is Son. Ooh, very good. Okay. Um, so Hyungman Son. He is all around such a great FPL asset. I think the question for a lot of people here, right, is do you think they have a good run of fixtures? Um, and Do you mean so to read it off to you? I got it right here. You so okay. their next five are pretty good. They have West Ham at home. They have Newcastle at home. Nottingham Forest away. Everton at home. Brighton away. And then Bournemouth at home. Those six fixtures that take them, that takes them all the way through the festive fixtures, right? Those are really, really good. Really good. Yep. From a son perspective, even if we look at this, right? We know James Madison is out. We know multiple defenders are out. Romero will be coming back um, for this fixture against West Ham, which is nice for their defensive solidity. Um, but we do have to keep in mind, though, um, that. Uh, sorry, got distracted there for a second. My mind's just going Oops. every direction here. Um, Son. But the thing with Son, right? Um, he's shown, and I think more importantly, we can look at Ainge and realize that with him, his teams are always going to be playing very progressively and very attacking football. And if Son is in that You're attack, just gonna go for it, you know? he's going to be the focal point. And when people like... Dejan Kulisevsky, um, Brennan Johnson, even LaCelso by extent, by you know some some measure, all these people are good attacking players that can get the ball to Son in the right positions, and then you have Udogi and Pedro Poro pouring in in the middle, playing balls through, 
great options um, to get Son the ball as well. So Son is still viable. And that honestly is counter to what I thought. I thought when Madison was out, I thought that Son wouldn't be viable anymore, but I was wrong. Yeah. I will admit it. So I was wrong. You think he's a buy? I think he's a buy. Yes. Yeah. I 100% agree. So I had the same questions as you. Like when Madison went out, I was like, because I had Madison, Son, the whole, honestly, the whole, probably from like maybe match week five or six on. And when Madison went out, I was like, oh shit, maybe I have to get rid of Son. But I was, I was like, I'll hold him for a little bit, see what happens. And so I think he hasn't. Let me see. I'm going to pull it up real quick. So Son. He went, let's see, from 11 to 13, match week 11 to 13, he did not have a return. Yeah, he played three weeks. He played three weeks in a row. But if you watch those games, you saw that, honestly, he could have scored in all those games. Some of the games, he should have had a hat trick. I mean, we know in the in the Villa game, there are three goals called off sides that could have easily been goals for him. So I always believed in Son. I am holding him. If I didn't have him, I would buy him. I think he's just... As long as he's playing a striker up front for Spurs, I think he's kind of in drop undroppable, you know? I mean, he has nine goals and two assists this year. And the, the weird thing, though, is is, is that he, we know he has an ability to score goals he should not. So he has nine goals on 4.8 XG. Yeah, so he's that's incredible. massively outperforming his XG. But honestly, to me, that doesn't really bother me because I know that he just has the ability to score goals and he's going to be in good places for Spurs. So. The first goal that Tottenham scored um, where they countered against City and Son brutally, brutally finished that goal. A lot of players, if they would have struck that ball, I would have said Ederson should have stopped that because he didn't hit it. Mm-hmm. He didn't place it extremely yeah, well. Yeah, there you go, yep. He just hit it so hard and so fast. He got it out of his foot so fast. Ederson didn't have time to react. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with it being said, it needs to be said, Ederson is not a good shot stopper. That is an established fact. He doesn't, unless it's the Champions League final against Inter, he does not think he can, he just can't stop the ball from going in the back of the net, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not even the best ball playing goalkeeper in the pre like Whatever. Not my point. Um, yes, Son is a buy, but I also think Pedro Poro could be a great yeah. option for the next, over those festive fixtures. He's someone who is getting forward. He's on set pieces. He's got four assists this year. He, he's returned multiple times in the past three to four weeks. And they haven't had a clean sheet. Yeah. So if he gets a clean sheet, if he gets an assist, and Romero's going to be back too. Yeah. So defensive solidity, definitely on the ups for Tottenham. Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's a really good shout, League, because yeah. I think he could kind of be somebody that's like maybe like a mini Trippier, mini Trinidad Alexander Arnold. Exactly. If you don't mm-hmm. want to spend that massive budget on them, Pedro Poro, especially now that we're talking about Imagine a back line. Getting back. Pedro Poro, Trippier, Trent. And then you throw throw in two other really cheap defenders for enablers who do play as well. That sounds like a really nice backline to me. I have a great enabler for you later on. Oh, very we'll interesting. Put um, a pin in that. So we will move on to op- to team number six in the table, but we're going to take a short, short little break. Um, and then we'll be right back with you all for Newcastle United and our FPL asset that we're going to analyze from them. Okay. All right, everybody, welcome back. So we are just going to throw it right over to Luke, and he's going to dive into the next team that we're going to talk about. But um, before we do that, I'm going to ask you a fun little question, Luke. 
Bring it on. If you had to pick a Premier League team to be a fan of for the rest of your life right now, who would you pick? Yeah, I can't I can't do that. I asked the question. I would be <laughs> Don't if you say Manchester United, I'm quitting this podcast and never doing it again. No, 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 no. I, I couldn't do that. That's Manchester United is, you know. It's it's on spot. Thing, right? You're not committing to it. I just if you had to right now. And Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> Who Big is Ainge is, Who is my. <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> don't. Please don't say that. <laughs> I know exactly where you were going. Not going to say it. Let's pivot to right. Newcastle so United. Newcastle. We're going to so go north. Currently, six in the table. We have Newcastle United. Um, and the player that we're going to focus on for Newcastle in this um, segment of the podcast is Kieran Trippier. Um, the reason why I chose Trippier for Paul to, you know, give us his off the cuff thoughts is because Trippier is really expensive. He's had some really, really nice returns as of late. Um, well, not really as of late, right? So he went 12 points against Manchester United and 13 against Chelsea, one point. Bournemouth, one point, which was a really poor performance from Newcastle against Bournemouth. Um, and then he had nine points against Arsenal. Um, and then he blanked before that. But then it was 10 points, 6 points, 12 points, 18. So he had a couple bad fixtures recently. But I think he's primed to kind of come back into that really, you know, double-digit performance kind of area. Um, so I wanted to pick Paul's brain and see what he thought of Kieran Trippier. Okay. So, like, we see that the performances he's had and there was a stretch like you were talking about where he put in against Sheffield 18 points, Burnley 12, six against West Ham, 10 against Crystal Palace. And since then it's been kind of a little bit more sporadic. And as we talk about, when we talk about Newcastle, the main thing is the injuries like this defense, when they're fully fit, they're one of the best defenses in the league. When their midfields fully functioning, when their attack is like we, we've, I think everybody listening to this podcast understands how, a weak defense can affect an attack or a weak midfield can affect the whole team, all that stuff. And Newcastle just haven't been full strength. So it's going to be questionable for Newcastle, but they have the ability to pull out results against even really good teams, even when they're handicapped the way they are right now. So I think that Trippier, especially with the run of fixtures going forward, they play Everton away, Spurs away, which that one, I don't see a clean sheet in Spurs, but I do see Trippier probably getting an assist, maybe a goal. You never know. But that, that just seems like a fixture for him that he would show up in. And then they play Fulham at home, Luton away, Forced at home, Liverpool away. And it kind of flips after match week 19. They play Liverpool, City, Villa, Luton. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that those three games, Liverpool, City, Villa, that's, that's a difficult stretch right there. But leading up to that, uh, leading up to match week 19, I think Trippier is for sure a hold. If you don't have him, I think he's for sure a buy. He, I mean, it goes without saying, he's just like a titan of defenders in FPL, you know? Yeah, I think I completely agree that he's a buy. Um, We were advocating for that a while back into, you know, game weeks five, six. Put out Um, a really good FPL thread on that. Yeah, that was was a good piece, right? You did Um, a really good look. But I also think that Trippier is one of those players that Holland, Salah, Trippier, those are figureheads of an FPL team, 
right? Players that are highly expensive, they're premiums, but they're reliable for points. And even in the times when Newcastle is really, really fighting the injury bug, he's still able to return and provide really, really good value for the money that you're putting in onto Mm -hmm. him. Um, So I think he, with their run of fixtures from game week 15, you could go all the way down to the, the next 10 game weeks and say it is worth holding him and keeping him in your team and not even thinking about transferring him out. Um, and let's hope he stays healthy the whole time. That's We want that, right? We want that for all the players out there. We, you know, we never would wish any injuries upon anybody. But Trippier is definitely a buy and a hold if you do have him, in my opinion. Also, too, like, I think that Botman is back in training. Yes. It was one of his he, first days back he's in training back this week. Like on the facility. He's not training with the team, but he's doing, doing individual stuff, stuff, I believe. Which is a good sign because if they can get him back, that'll help a lot. Yeah, and that that means that if that is true and everything holds up, he's able to avoid surgery, which is what they've been worried about the whole time. Yeah. So I mean if especially I think Trippier becomes even more of an asset like we talked about, whenever they start to get healthier again, he's gonna be even even more of an FPL asset to hold on to. So or buy. Yep, agreed. Okay, like let's bounce. I don't know why I said that really weird, but um, let's bounce to the next team, which is a fun one for you. Um, <laughs> this is actually kind of poetic. So the next team we're going to do is Manchester United. Oh, and don't you dare. And guess, guess who Luke gets to talk about? His favorite player in the Premier League, Rasmus Hoyland. Oh, no, Bruno. Bruno. Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were bringing back my t- past Hoyland, transgressions. Hoyland, Hoyland traumatized you so i'm not bringing him up but i think bruno um to me seems like the best fpl asset out of united at this point but is united a team we want to go to or even put assets into what do you think so on the perspective of manchester united um for the upcoming festive fixtures um, up until game week 20, they have Chelsea at home, Bournemouth at home, Liverpool away, West Ham away, Aston Villa at home, and then Nottingham Forest away. So I would say four of those six are really difficult fixtures, with those being Chelsea, Liverpool, Villa, and Forest. Forced away is really difficult, I think, because there's so much better playing at home right there's just, it's night and day for them it's pretty crazy um so i think four of those next six are really difficult so with that in mind i don't think i necessarily want to go to the manchester united defense i would not buy any defenders up until this point unless you're gonna hold them for the next like you know, you want to keep him for the next like ten game weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Luke Shaw is a great option, I think, as long as he keeps injury. When you see away. a consistent run of games, run, I'd say. <clears throat> yes, but as far as Bruno Fernandez goes, I would not advocate for buying him. Um, I think the numbers are always there. He's always They're, producing. Like the goal threat's not even there right now, though. The goal threat's not, but he has had a couple late winners that have salvaged a lot of those managers that have him in their team salvage them a lot of points right um if you think about it he he had the winner against burnley from that johnny evans 
you know, long shot where he just volleyed in, which was really high technically skilled. And then he also had the winner against, um, was it Fulham? Fulham? Fulham. Fulham, yeah, where he just slotted around the keeper. Um, so with that in mind, like he is getting some results, but then at the same time, you just, you feel like you can't trust this Manchester United attack. Um, and yeah, I think that's it right there. At this point, I would advocate for Bruno Fernandez to be sold. Um, and that is my completely unbiased take on it, frankly. Um, I just yeah. think that at this point, there's far better assets out there. Um, and maybe Bruno will, maybe United will make a click, and Bruno would be a great asset to have if they are clicking, but they simply are not at the moment. Yeah, agreed. I mean, his price point at 8.3. Even if he's on pins for United, they're not just—they're not even that threatening. Like it's just—it's just not something that I mean. We could be wrong; they could figure it out. I mean, they've—they've they've scored some goals in Champions League, but in the Premier League, they're just not putting up goal numbers. So it—it it just was like it's a complete pass in United and Bruno's price point of eight point three. Yep, agreed. I think it's that money could easily go other places, and you could get a lot more bang for your buck than what you can. Completely agree. Yep. Okay, that's um, we cut that. We kept that very civil. So. Yeah, no, we we did. We that's that's what we go for here on the pod is you know we want to get right to the numbers. Sometimes I'm a bad boy. Though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and like you said, moving on. <laughs> We're so, gonna clip that and put that on TikTok. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, hopefully I don't see that TikTok. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead. Our next team that we're gonna look at, sitting eighth in the table. We have the team from down south that also has half their team living in an infirmary. We have Brighton, Hove, Al- and Albion. Mm-hmm. Um, with this team, I felt like there was not a specific player I could pick out that a lot of people had that was a really good option because it's really difficult with Deserby. He was rotating a ton. There's a lot of injuries. We don't know how they're going to set up week to week. My question to you, Paul, is there an asset on Brighton that excites you? Um, Let me pull up their, their little schedule. Real because quick. just for some context, right, coming into the season, we knew Brighton were going to be a great team to target because they play so attacking. They're a lot of fun to watch play, and they had some great assets. But those assets have either been injured, they're rotated a lot now, or we just we don't know what to expect. Um, so that's why I came with you, came to you with this question, wondering how would you handle Brighton? Okay, look. So this one kind of hurts me a little bit because I've been burnt a lot by this player. It's if I had to pick one asset to go with, I think he's kind of an enabler at five point three, Shaw Pedro. He okay. so it's he's been hit and miss all throughout the season with Brighton, and honestly, even saying this now, we don't know what we're getting from him because he's been in and out of the starting lineups, he's subbed on for people and gotten results and all these things. So he has a so two weeks ago, the match week thirteen, he had thirteen points on my bench. Which shout out myself because I am a king at putting points on my bench. Which Dude, I don't know what that says would be, about me. You would be way up there if you just I'd probably sorted be, that bench. If I had all my points from the bench in those match weeks that I've missed, I'd probably be top 100K in the world. 
Oh, easily. Easily. No doubt. Like, easily. Maybe top 50. Okay. And a couple of other captaincy choices. You are climbing up those ranks, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so I think, like, like we always talk about, and we talked about earlier in the pod with Son, that for an FPL asset, I want them to be starting consistently. I want them to be the focal point of their attack. And Shaw Pedro, whenever he plays for Brighton, he gone through waves and stuff but lately it looks really good i mean he had two goals in the champions in the europa league he had two goals against force had a goal last week against chelsea when he subbed on so he seems like he'd be the best asset to me and his price point is good at 5.3 so i i'm not saying so i i've had him on my bitch the whole season and i just haven't moved him out because i don't want to use an excess transfer on that so i think if you have him maybe hold him but I wouldn't go out of my way to buy him specifically, you know. But I don't think he's really a sell either because he can give you unexpected results in a, any given week, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think if you have, maybe not necessarily a sell. Um, but then again, at the same time, it feels a bit a bit difficult, right? Because there's a lot of risk involved with him. Um, he he's a decent sub player. But then again, for our subs, we want, especially during this run of the next four to five game weeks, we want them playing all 90 minutes. Um, And even some of the most 90-proof players, some of them are going to be rotated in these upcoming fixtures. And there's going to be a lot of upset FPL managers. So if your bench is not sorted, get that sorted. Um, And on, on top of that, I think... Do your best to get to two free transfers and stay at that to where you're making one transfer a week, rolling over one to where you have two for the next week. Because I think we could see players rotated. We can see players injured. All of those, you need to be able to adapt and change your team as need be. So be careful with those free transfers. Treat them like gold because they they really are. Um, Yeah. And... Yeah, that's that's learned the hard and difficult way um, from my perspective. Um, as far as Brighton assets go, I don't I don't think there's any great standout ones. The only one that I would think about would be Pascal Gross. Yeah, he's frankly. the other one I was thinking about. Um, I think he feels like he's playing every match. He might play left back or right back or center back for a little bit. He just does everything, right? And he can play any many different um, midfield attacking roles as well. But um, keep so, in mind, Luke, what was the what's the update on um, on your dude Sully Marsh? Was it a? Oh man, he. I think I at this point what? he's on about his third surgery, from last I saw, because he I think he tore his ACL, his MCL. And then there is a follow-up something as well. So um, It's going to be probably next season. It's going to be a rough, long path for him. So I do Sucks. not expect him to be coming back into the four. Um, I think from a Brighton perspective, you know, they're looking to get um, NCISO back soon. Hopefully a Stupinon's not a long, long-term injury. I think um, last time that the Serbies had something about it, he said it was going to be a while for, for yeah. Stupion. So. so Lamptey as well. They in January they need to spend some money and get in some squad depth because they are seriously hurting right now. And if they had the squad depth at this moment, I think they could easily be top six, 
top four even because mm-hmm. um, they've lost a lot of matches that they should have won in my opinion yeah the see that it's really funny because last year i mean brighton kind of had like this like shine where like under serbia they were looking great kind of like angels spurs are this year like they just kind of were playing in an expansive way playing their own football and this year it's just been hampered because we know the injuries and it's but europa league too really yeah, complicates europa things league. well yeah. when you're throwing in that midweek fixture Mm-hmm. You're throwing in travel. You're not able to train as much. Especially when you have such young players that they have. Exactly. And like, last season, Deserby had that full week to work with his team, to get mm-hmm. them in the positions. And his system is very read-heavy. And if his players don't know how to make the reads or just don't have the level to do that, it it hurts the system. Yeah, I mean, isn't like I think Dunk's hurt right now. I think Dunk is out because of a red. He got a straight red, mm. so he's out for three weeks. I mean, if you look at their defenders, it's Estupian, Dunk, Lamptey, Webster. So, I mean, basically, probably what? What could be your starting back line, yeah, theoretically? Um, and if you think about March, they lost. Fatih, DeHood, and CISO. They lost. Wellback. McAllister, Caicedo, um, Jason, not Jason Steele, sorry, Sanchez. All of these players have been sold. They're all extremely important players as well. So you have injury, you have players leaving, and they're just trying to manage. And they're managing. They're going to be top of their group in Europa League, which is very impressive. And they're still only eight. They're eighth in the table. That's not a bad place at all. Yeah. So hopefully Brighton get healthier as the year goes on. And yeah, maybe they'll pop up later in the season and be a viable FPL place for us to go to. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Um, so like the next team we're going to talk about is West Ham. West Ham, okay. And the FPL asset I want you to discuss is Jared Bowen. But also, um, slight caveat, I want to know what you think of Kudos, too. So Ooh, I'm throwing both of them at okay. you. Um, you can me tell me if you want to pick one or the other, if you think both, whatever. whatever. No, I'll do, I'll do both. Um, so <coughs> whenever we look at this, right, um, we have got um, West Ham. Over the festive fixtures, they have Tottenham away, Fulham away, Wolves at home, Manchester United at home, Arsenal away, and then Brighton at home. So within that, I see maybe two good fixtures. United three, possibly, if you count them, but I'm not going to count that for them. Um, So they have two good fixtures out of the next six. And when we look at how Kudus has returned, he's returned three of the past four weeks for in game week 11, he went 11 points game week, 12, one game week, 13, 10. And then last week against Crystal Palace, he had nine pointer. Yeah. So that's two Um, goals and three assists since he started playing a full 94 weeks ago. Exactly. So he looks like a great option, but I do want to note though, that is against Brentford, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. Three teams that seem highly likely where he would return. What I'm trying to say here is I think Jared Bowen, he's someone, if he's healthy, and this is the thing, though. Over this next upcoming run of fixtures, I think Jared Bowen is a sell. Ooh, with spicy. With the injury concern going on right now. He played all 90 over the weekend, right? Um, let me see. I can tell you real quick. I believe he did, right? He played the vast majority of the game, if not. 
Um, the point being there, Jared Bowen is someone who we can count on he to return. Full 90. Yeah, he played the full 90 over the weekend. So mm-hmm. Jared Bowen is someone who we can almost always count on to return if he gets a chance. He's one of those players that's in form that is capitalizing really well. I do want to say with Kudus, though, I feel like his opportunities are coming because of some of the sides that they have been playing. Bowen, I feel a lot more secure and comfortable having in my team. Kudus, the one time I would consider him over Bowen is if it's a price-enabling kind of position. Mm-hmm. At that point. point, I think it's fine to have Kudus over Bowen, but otherwise I would prefer Bowen over Kudus. Um and if you have another team or player you want to target, I'd be perfectly fine with you moving them on um, around, say, maybe game week 17 or so um, and just all together moving away from West Ham because they have not looked all that inspiring as of late. So, yeah. in my opinion, um, I would say I would lean more towards a sell, but also could be a hold. I would not buy. Understood. I see what you're saying, Luke. So, um as somebody that owns Bowen and is a big believer in Bowen because he just consistently seems to push out returns no matter who he's playing, I would hold him from my perspective. I don't think I would go out of my way to buy him if I didn't have him at this point. But, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, he he returned against Liverpool earlier in the year, Villa earlier in the year. So two of the best teams this year in the Premier League he got results against. And it just seemed, I mean, he just, he just always, it's kind of like, Saka, like he just turns up in these places and he just kind of scores goals. So, I mean, he has eight goals, one assist this year. I'm not going to get rid of him until, I mean, of course, there was the little injury, like little gap that he missed. But until he has like probably like two or three weeks of no returns for me, I'm probably just going to hold him and see how he does in my team because it just, he just consistently kind of gets results for us. So yeah, I think that's, that's fair. That, that's certainly fair. I definitely would not push back on that from anyone. Um, yeah. Overall West Ham haven't been overly impressive. They have won two of their last three, but you would think that against crystal palace without, um, one of their main, um, attacking threats in Eze, that they could at least get a couple goals. Um, and you know, get that win against Crystal Palace when they probably should have. So um, West Ham, not crazy inspiring. Suchek is a cam. Don't understand it. Don't even want to dive into it. Um, but whatever, David Moyes, you do you. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you want to do, man. Yeah. All right, Luke, let's bounce to you. Number 10 on the table. Chelsea. All right. So Chelsea, this is a bit of an interesting um, choice here. But I want to nevertheless hear your thoughts, Paul. Mm-hmm. So the player I want you to look at is Raheem Sterling. Oh, God. I knew you were this. And think about how I handled Bruno Fernandez. I know. I'll be civil. So do you think Raheem Sterling is an option in FPL going forward? So if we look at Sterling, he's 7.0. Not a bad price point. He scored 68. He's got 68 FPL points so far. And he's one of those players that it's kind of funny if you look at his stats through the year because in match week three, he had 19 points against Luton when he had two goals and one assist. And before that, he only had two. Yeah, no, he had two. Uh, he only um, had two so far. And so, and then he has returned against Burnley in match week eight where he had 16 points with one goal to assist. Mm-hmm. And then since then against Tottenham, 
Tottenham City and Newcastle, he has 5.6.6 points. So it's like he has two huge weeks and then a little bit of consistency in returns. I I don't buy him as an FPL asset so far, but there's a slight thing that they have Manchester United in match week 15 away. So that that's a difficult matchup for Chelsea. And then you play Everton at home, Sheffield at home, Wolves away, Crystal Palace at home, and Luton, at, Luton away, and then Fulham at home. Like, they have an amazing run of fixtures. My question here... Never, I might get canceled for asking this. <laughs> I'm uh, not going to ask it. We're pretty know. we're pretty deep in the podcast, so I don't think anyone's going to get this far. I don't know. My question is, whose dick did Chelsea suck to get these incredible run of fixtures? Good God, yeah. If you um, think about it, in possibly. the beginning of the season, they had such a nice run, and then they have this again. Like I just don't understand how it's possible. Well, so let's actually let's just look forward and see. Later in the year. I mean, so basically, yeah, I don't know what they did. Like, at the end of the season, even, like, they, like, if you look at their schedule, they just have a a difficult fixture every once in a while. Sometimes there's two back-to-back, but it's never, like, I mean, so they do have a run where they play City, Spurs, Brentford, Newcastle, Arsenal. That's difficult. That's a difficult run of fixtures, but that's in our cut into a very easy (coughs) schedule the rest of the year, so. But I will say. I don't think Sterling's the FPL asset to go for with 7.0. Just don't think it's consistent enough. I think Cole Palmer on pens at 5.3. He seems to be clear-cut. Are you not worried about Nkuku um, taking pens from him? He could, I mean, but I don't think Nkuku's going to be back. Cole Palmer was also injured. He's not flagged anymore. Well, that's why he didn't start um, in their fixture over the weekend. I, I just think I don't... I personally don't believe in this Chelsea team. I don't I don't think they're going to turn out like I mean. So if we look, they scored 3 against Brighton, 1 against Newcastle, 4 against City, which honestly that whole every goal <laughs> this this is me sliding into my Chelsea thing again a little bit, but like I feel like every goal they scored against City just felt like it was lucky. It like, felt a little bit the same way did it you felt fluky. in the like match against against Brighton and felt a little similar as well. There were set pieces where the ball bounced around a couple times and they finished. And they got a, I mean, I think one of the VAR decisions on giving them that pin. Yeah. The challenge from Milner on Mudrick was extremely soft. Yeah, that was soft. Yeah, that was was really soft decision. I agree with that. And Kaiseido should have been sent off too, but that's that's another another day. Hey, oh well. Um, But then there's also the Tottenham fixture too where they won 4 1, where it was like, they won four one and Jackson got a hat trick, but like, I don't buy that shit. They were playing eight outfield men. <laughs> like <laughs> I just like that. That's that whole win. Honestly, in every app you look at score should have an asterisk beside it because it's four one against Tottenham. They they did not deserve to win that match. But anyways, Luke's reeling me back a little bit. I think if we're looking at Chelsea FPL assets, I think it's Palmer or nobody else. Unless unless they just go on a run of. Unless they go on a tear. Because, I mean, going into those fixtures, they can. Like, I mean, it's set up for them to do it. So I would go Palmer, maybe Sterling. Yeah. What do you think, Luke? Um, yeah, I, I would, I'm fine with either one, right? Um, I think Palmer's a good asset. I do think he's a little too good to be true at some points. He's so cheap. He's on pens. 
He's their main creator um, in their attack. I still think Sterling has this jamminess to him this season where it just feels like he's going to find results somehow. Does that mean that I would want to own him in my team because of the variance there? Probably not. But I can easily see how FPL managers would, you know, just put him in their team and be happy with him because over a span of three weeks, regardless of who they're playing, you feel like he's going to return maybe two or three times within those three weeks. Yeah. Um, just how with how everything's been going for him this season. Um, someone to keep an eye on is in Cuckoo. Whenever he comes back, I, I think he's going to completely change the way that Chelsea play. He has that connective tissue to the way he plays um, and really just facilitates so well. But also, he's an extremely good finisher. Um, just he, he was incredible to watch in the Bundesliga um, with Leipzig. And then also he's so good. Um, seeing him play um, in person, actually. Um, during the preseason, before he got injured, he looked really great. Um, mm-hmm. So we're excited to have him return. Um, he'll be a good forward option for FPL um, and someone to keep an eye on. So, you know, Chelsea, great run of fixtures coming up. I can see a lot of people going to Cole Palmer, maybe Reese James. I think Reese James is an option at this yeah. point, um, as long as he can avoid the Reds and stay healthy. Um, so Reese James, someone to watch as well. Okay, um, so we also wanted to throw out a little couple, two two different options for everybody outside the top 10 teams in the table. Do you want me to do mine? Because I just picked a player that I want to talk about. Yeah, go ahead. Go, go for it. Of, okay, so I don't mind saying this because the podcast will come out later tonight, most likely, and the window for going forward is going to be tomorrow morning, right? Yeah, the morning... The deadline um, is Tuesday. It's Tuesday which um, is for game week fifteen. Yeah. So, and that'll yeah. be Tuesday, December fifth. Yes. So, I haven't. We haven't talked about this yet, Luke. But <laughs> I am letting my bias skew my judgment a little bit, somewhat, and I'm going to bring in Jedi Robinson. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, if we look at Jedi, he. Let me see. Where is my notes? So he has five straight matches with a positive return, whether it be in goal or assist. And to me, I'm like, you know, obviously I love my baby eagles. And any excuse to get a baby eagle in, I'm kind of here with. But there also is stipulation Paul. backing to this. Stipulation that we need to say. If you look at FPL, he has returned in two straight fixtures. But that's for club and country yes. that you're saying, yes. correct? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. For the whole, whole thing of that. But he's also, I mean, look, he's returned in three straight fixtures for uh, for FPL. No, no. Yes, he has three. He has an oh, assist in the Villa, Villa match. There were a lot of negative Wolves. points against Villa. <laughs> yes, but he has three assists in a row, three different games, and it's honestly this Fulham team is looking a little bit better. Yes, they have. If you look at the run of fixtures, they lost to United, lost to Villa, beat Wolves, lost to Liverpool. But I mean, that was. Honestly, to me, if I was a Fulham fan, I would not be upset with that performance at all against Liverpool. Like, honestly, I'd be a little upset that they lost because they deserve to get points out of that. But it would give me a lot of, like, and you, belief in this team because they went to Anfield and put in that performance, you know? As a Fulham fan, I think you have to look at the nature of the Liverpool goals. You have Trent with a spectacular free kick. That's hard to reproduce. Mm-hmm. McAllister from 
40 yeah. yards out. Yeah. You have... Um, There's also the... Endo. Um, Endo with outside the box. Strike. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so I, I think one, it's it's a difficult match, right? Um, they should be happy with the results. So. Yeah. And then, I mean, the run of the fixtures going forward, they play forced at home, West Ham at home, Newcastle away, which, I mean, difficult. But I also think that the way Newcastle played, Jedi could see some he Wait. could have some final enjoyment on that left wing question right paul do you have two transfers going into game week 15 yes okay cool. i got two and i may only and make you're one just going to use the one okay possibly i don't know i don't know what to do yet i gotta sit down and figure it out but then they play burnley at home bournemouth away and then it flips game week 20 and they play arsenal chelsea everton burnley but so my whole my whole thing here luke is that they have a good run of fixtures <coughs> going forward Jedi has had a lot, literally five straight matches, club and country, where he's gotten an assist or a goal. And to me, I'm like, at his price, too. I mean, look, he's 4.4 million. And what, I mean, we've talked about a couple of defenders, Trent, Trippier, that honestly, there's no, there's no other defenders that are putting out returns like this at this level right now. No, that's very true. I you would know? be careful, though. Um, he might be set for a price rise. Um, we can check that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but with how he's returning, he's someone that people would be targeting, right? So I um, would make my transfers tonight or before the price rises occur. So um, it does not look like um, he's going to rise. So okay, we never yeah. know. But we'll we'll keep an eye on that later in the day. This is another little tie-in too that I think if you have cash and you're ready to move on from him. You can save some money and some budget and go to Robinson for, I mean, you're saving what? Like cash is 4.7, he's 4.4. I mean, and I mean you're saving 0.3 and then you can put those funds elsewhere. So the know? day before game week 15, that's when we're recording. We're sitting, recording on de- December 4th. From December 4th to 5th, it is predicted that cash is going to drop in price again. So if you're going to make yeah. that move from cash to a different option, Make it before the price rises go into effect. Yes. Um, so do it. Do it early. Do it early. Hopefully um, we get this out soon enough, so we can help you all. Yes, for sure. Um, I think that's a great option, Paul. Really. Yeah. Um, someone definitely keep an eye on. He's lo- he looked really great against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, happy to support the baby Eagles, and that's a good way to do it as well. Um, the team and player that I wanted to look at mm-hmm. do a bit of a deep dive on from the bottom half of the table was none other than Dom Solanke. I knew you were going to say Solanke. Um, I think he's been a very under the radar player. Um, and at this point to emphasize that, so he's currently owned by um, 6%, 6% of the game. He is currently the um, top scoring, the fourth top scoring forward in the game, right? Um, he's been really good. He did not finish all of his chances this weekend against Aston. But he scored, right? He did score. Yeah, but it was a good the goal. big chances missed really hurt his bonus opportunities there. So that that is something to keep in mind that he's not attracting the bonus points the way that we love him to. But then again, at the same time, um, he's a great enabler. Um, he's currently six point five million, a good mid-price option to go along with 
Holland and Watkins, Holland and Alvarez, um, Holland and Darwin, if you have them. So, um, someone that's really exciting and Bournemouth have a great run of fixtures as well. So through the festive period, Bournemouth have Crystal Palace away, Manchester United away, Luton at home, Nottingham Forest away, Fulham at home, and then Tottenham away. So really good fixtures there that kind of place Slanke being the figurehead of Bournemouth into really good attacking positions. And it's just going to be a question of if he finishes his chances or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I had to bet, I would say that he's going to finish the the majority of those chances that he gets. Um, So a good person to have in your team if you're looking for, you know, a differential, but also someone who's a nice enabler as well for your team. Yeah, I agree. Look, I think he's, he's one of those players that probably isn't talked about enough in FPL last year and this year too. Yeah, you know, if you put him on a bigger side, I mean, even like someone like Arsenal, I think he'd be a great fit. Yeah, um, with his big body, and he he's he actually plays pretty pretty good linking up with attack. So, um, I think he'd be a decent fit there. Someone to put the ball in the back of the net, you know, as opposed to Jesus, who likes to drop really deep and just kind of keep the ball at his feet. Yeah. Um, but I think that's gonna do it for us. Yeah, this has it's been a, been a, a long one, but pod. this has been fun. I like the idea of this. This, this is good. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, we do hope that you guys learned something from this pod. If you did, let us know what you thought. Um, Follow us on socials. Yeah, feel free to. Um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, everything out there. All of the social medias. Um, we hope you guys, we wish you the best of luck in the upcoming Festa fixtures. And don't forget, Make those transfers that give you good squad depth and, you know, some resiliency in your, in your team. So mm-hmm. best of luck for the festive fixtures, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Just so everybody remembers, um, make sure you use that wild card if you haven't. And there's going to be some blanks with City and Brentford coming up in 18. So maybe yeah. a good time to use it, maybe before, after. Just plan it out. Make sure you're aware that you have to use one of those wild cards before Match Week 19 rolls around. So. Well, it's before nine. It's before twenty. Before you can 20. use it. Yeah. You can uh, use it nine, for nineteen. Use nineteen, and then so it, the wild card will expire mm-hmm. if you play it during game week twenty, right? Yes. So, yeah, good to know. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us, and we will see you soon. Okay. Sounds good, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.